Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Today's show is sponsored by the new film Call Jane. Hello, Guilty Feminist, and welcome to this Culture Club episode looking at the new film on Prime Video called Jane, directed by Phyllis Nage. It's based on the true story of the Jane Collective, who helped to provide safe abortion services in Chicago in the 1960s and the 1970s, a time when abortions were illegal in most parts of the United States. Later, you'll hear me and Jessica Regan from the Best Pick podcast talking about the film, but first I caught up with one of the stars, Wumi Masaku. We're delighted to be joined on this Guilty Feminist Culture app by one of the stars of Call Jane. You will know her from Luther, Loki and his house, for which she won a biffa. She's also got a BAFTA. Uh, And (laughs) I know her because I actually taught her improvisation at the RADA. Please welcome Wumi Masaku. Hey. Yay. Um, So... Wumi, I found this film very informative. I had no idea that women in the 60s and 70s in America were running their own underground abortion rings and actually learning how to perform abortions. And I, what I had no idea of is that they did this right up until Roe versus Wade. I found the whole thing very moving, partly because they fought so hard for something that has so recently been overturned. So I found it very poignant. I cried quite a lot at the Mm. idea of all these women who many of whom will still be alive going, everything we fought for has been whipped away. And do we have time to fight for it again? You know, will we see Mm. uh, Roe versus Wade being reinstated under a, a new name? What drew you to the script in the first place, Wumi? I mean, it was that. I I didn't know this happened. I didn't know about these women. I was reading the script and I thought, this is a bit far-fetched. A a housewife turns into, I don't know, starts performing abortions, medical abortions with her own hands. It's a bit far-fetched. What? (laughs) Get to the end and it's like, you know, when they tell you the facts and figures. I was like, this is not, this is unbelievable. I just didn't know. And I have grown up in the UK where abortion has always been legal and available and free. And, since you were um, born anyway. Uh, when, since I've been alive and, and since I've been living here. And so 
well, I think so, at least since I've turned of age anyway. And I just was introduced to a world where that wasn't the case. And I just had never thought about it. Like, I just hadn't thought about it. There were, you know, you can hear conversations about Ireland and um, the Republic of Ireland and and um, the, the North. And I was like, oh, um, I hadn't really thought about it because I've always felt like it was still kind of accessible. And then all of a sudden reading the script, thinking, what do you do in a world where it's not available? Well, you take it into your own hands. Of course you do. And um, the fact that they were they were performing safe illegal abortions, they never lost a woman. They never did. How many did they do? Over 11,000, like 11, 12,000, and they never lost a woman. And when doing my research, learning about the underground um, nature of it all with them, men doing these illegal abortions and how like, you know, people were left for dead. You know, these women really cared for you. They fed you. They gave you a safe space to like rest and recuperate. I was just so impressed and moved by it and like felt so lucky that I could read this from a place of like, oh, this is a historical piece and look how far we've come. And yeah, and that's how I felt when I read the script and took the job. It's very different now, especially I live in America and yeah, I wasn't ready for this uh, this press tour of this film in a post-Row, post-Dobbs world. I, I wasn't ready for that. Like, I took the job quite naively, actually. So thinking. when you shot the film, Roe versus Wade had not yet been overturned. No. But obviously, politically, the producers knew that it was realistically a possibility. very possibly go- going to be. It's really, it's really heartbreaking watching the reality of it. Like I remember watching Dirty mm. Dancing when I was young going, oh, so you couldn't go and get a termination. You know, it was, as I think mm. he describes it in that film, he had a folding table and a dirty knife and lots of men did, uh, you know, do horrifying uh, Mm. abortions and charge all sorts of money. And I think what's interesting in this is the awakening that Elizabeth Banks' character has. And she is this very, I'm doing finger bunny quotes here, respectable housewife, Uh, not someone who the radical group of feminists would have expected to either get an abortion or join their team. But she was pregnant in a life-threatening way. She gets involved. And there were all sorts of people then there helping who are underaged, who are, you know, victims of sexual assault, who are in desperate straits of poverty, can't afford to have another child. Like there's all sorts of reasons why women want abortions. And of course they are very clear in the film as well that nobody has to have this reason. But at that point, because um, they're trying to help women with, uh, you know, financially, they're trying to prioritize cases and your character is so pivotal to it, to me. Can you talk a little bit about your character and her point of view? I play Gwen and um, she's the only black Jane in the room of Janes when we meet them. And why do and, they, why are they called Janes? Oh, the, the Jane Collective. I guess it was just a code name um, for every woman. So that no one had to share their identity. So the, the poster says, call Jane. And then you'd ring up and everyone's yeah. called Jane. So to protect their identity. Everyone's 
Exactly. And your character's the only black Jane. I'm the only black Jane. Yeah, so she is, you know, for... um, Obviously, women's reproductive rights. Actually, I think um, I've read somewhere that Black women in America coined the the phrase reproductive justice, which I kind of love. I wish I knew that when I was filming. I would have dropped that in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and uh, she's she really challenges the Janes as like, um, she's like a mirror to them because we all have this idea uh, for reproductive justice but there's a financial cost to the procedure and it's expensive. It's $600. That's expensive now, let alone in the sixties. And she is a very vocal reminder that only a certain woman is being helped. Um, I'm the, you know, there, there are no other black women in the room. There are no other Brown women in the room. There are no, that's it. There are no poor women in the room. And um, so she um, challenges the Janes and she gets to a point where she's like, I, I don't know why I'm here if we're not going to, if I'm not helping m- my own too. And yeah, her and Virginia have this kind of really tense relationship of like, Virginia's like, I marched with you on Washington. And, and Virginia's, like, oh my gosh. Virginia's played by Sigourney Virginia's- Weaver. Sigourney Weaver and it's that that kind of um tumult and tension between the feminist movement and the intersectional um uh, you know black women and women like are we fighting for all women are we just fighting for those who can afford it and in America that is white women and so um she definitely um that that argument and um that role she plays is pivotal for the james to um i don't know like decide to give two um surgeries for free a week when they learn how to do the procedure themselves to black and brown uh women that's the promise anyway yeah and she's based on um well, Phyllis is very careful to say she's not based on anyone, but there was a woman who sought out help from the Janes. She couldn't afford it. And she called them out on it. And um, she joined the collective and they were able to then help black and brown uh, and poor women in Chicago. And um, So yeah, she's kind of apparently not based on a real woman, but that is the real story. Right. So they when they start doing themselves, they can do as many as they want for free or as many as they can afford to for free. And so mm-hmm. it's at that point, you know, we imagine uh, that they start helping many more black and Latino women. Um, although when we, I have to say, I noticed that I didn't see as many black patients as I was hoping to see. Did that end up on the cutting room floor because they were trying to maybe do, I thought there was, they were trying to do continuity with the teenage girl um, who comes back and gets called mm. back? Um, d- did you did you notice that? Oh, I definitely noticed it, and I I would flag it up whenever I was on set. Um, but I think I think that was honestly a creative uh, hiccup, mistake, uh, oversight. I don't know. I I don't know. But it wasn't as the screen wasn't as diverse as I had hoped it was going to be. As I, as I know that it would have been in 
in the with the real James IRL. Yeah, um, I, I, well, I yeah. sort of, I think I did uh, fill it in in my mind because a lot of times they were talking about women who, because of your big speech and the impact of it and the passion of it and the acting. In my mind, anyone I heard about, and I don't want to spoil the ending of it because it made me weep, so I'm not going to say, but they're talking about women. And I just, because of your passionate speech, imagined so many of those women as being black and Latina. Good. And so it is, it's the story I think is very well told, um, even if we don't always see the representation on the screen. Uh, but But I think because of your character's passion and because of, I think nearly all the patients that come for uh, abortions are heard about because it was an underground ring. We don't get to see Mm -hmm. too many of them because the whole point is it's secretive and it's underground and we see the operation happening. But, you know, women and presumably uh, there were non-binary people and trans-masculine people that wouldn't have been identified under that framework as well um, were in and out. And uh, so... I definitely felt that part in the story, um, especially in the closing scene, which I was like, I wasn't just like welling up. I was properly crying at the end. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it is a beautifully told story. I will say, I think it's a beautifully told story Thank and it's, you. but I think your character is so important and without it, it wouldn't have had the intersectional heft that it needed to be mm-hmm. a relevant film in 2022 and a historically mm-hmm. accurate film, given the civil rights movement that was happening alongside of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, majority of um, people seeking abortions are black and brown in the States. It's so important to have them represented, even though it's not as like uh, visually obvious I'm glad that you you knew that it had changed. And I even think the fact that Gwen is still in that room, mm-hmm. because I think when we meet her, it's like the end of, it's going to be the end unless something changes. And so the fact that Gwen is still with them is proof um, that they had changed. That she was listened and to. Help, yeah. And that she was listened to. That's what I felt. I think I filtered in in my head every time I heard about a patient. I just thought that because she'd said priorities. It's got to be priority. Yeah. And she's still there yeah. fighting. So you go, you know, she would have walked and started up her own thing had she not been listened to. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. yeah. I loved that there was a nun in the group from day one. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Is that historically accurate? I don't know. Um, I imagine so, to be honest. I imagine so. But then, I don't know. It could have been completely like artistic license. But it had to be Aida. She was the perfect nun. I think it was fantastic. This rebellious nun. And, and I, I mean, I would, I'd be surprised if they included that if it wasn't historically accurate. I must look into it. But I just thought it was this like aspirational collective of feminists that you would have loved to have been a part of doing. The, the doctor mm. refers to them when he meets Elizabeth Banks as this sort of slightly bewitched style housewife. Um, he says to her something like, you're not like the rest of the radical lesbians or something. And she says, no, she's this kind of unlikely part of this band of radicals. But it felt like a really fun aspirational circle to be part of. I don't mean aspirational as in elite. I mean, gosh, they must have been, their adrenaline must have been up all the time because if they get caught, they go to jail. And at one point Sigourney Weaver goes, I'm not scared of going to jail. I've been to jail before. 
I'm scared of what happens if we go to jail, that all of these women are going to just get no left. No one will answer the phone. Yeah, yeah who will answer yeah. the phone, who will who'll be Jane. And so that really moved me. I'm very impressed by this story, which should we should all know this. Why don't we all know this? And, yeah, you know, so I'm so thrilled it's been brought to light. But I also think it's so relevant because I just immediately thought, oh, God, this, is, this will be happening again in America now because women will find a way to terminate when they need to because otherwise we have forced birth and we want, we can't even decide on a cellular level what's happening inside our own bodies. So women and people of minority genders who can get pregnant need to look after each other if the government is going to block us getting healthcare. The scary thing now is that before it was illegal to the the procedure was illegal so it was it was you couldn't just you couldn't get an abortion now the act of having an abortion is now illegal so women are now criminalized for even seeking it or uh, like so there are people who are i mean there are people who <laughs> could be put on death row for seeking an abortion i think it's a it's a different world now it's actually in a way Scary. I find it in a way scarier because the women are now demonized and criminalized. And there are, there are, I mean, it's, we're, we're very clear when we say that there are, you can find legal and safe abortions and there are charities and institutions set up for helping people get to safe states in America. I mean, does everyone know about these institutions and charities no i mean we've got the national um abortion care network and um obviously there's planned parenthood there's a few other like this testify um that people that you can you can reach out to get help to get to a safe place it doesn't have to be illegal back alley abortions but we need people to support those charities and those institutions and people and those grassroots in their community to help people get those safe abortions. But it's the criminalization of it that is it's taken a really dark and scary turn. So are you saying that in the 60s and 70s, a doctor could be prosecuted for giving a procedure, but now a woman Both who parties. seeks an abortion or a person of mm -hmm. minority gender who seeks an abortion can be prosecuted themselves and this is why now they're saying delete those apps that say when you get your period because if suddenly exactly. you don't have your period and you then track that in the app they can go hold on a minute you haven't had your period for three months and now there's no baby you know yeah. like I mean that's terrifying that's real that's really dystopian so yeah is it true now with me and I don't want to make you you're an actor in a show like you're an actor in, in a film I don't want to make <laughs> you the expert but is it true that some states you can be prosecuted if you cross state lines to get an abortion in another state, then come back, you can be prosecuted? I have heard that and I've read that somewhere and I'm pretty sure that is true. But I'm, I don't know how, I don't know the, the ins and outs of it. I don't know if it's if, I don't know, like, I mean, you could, an Uber driver could be prosecuted for taking someone to... Uh, an abortion clinic in right. some states. We clearly need to um, do an episode with experts on this because it's so important. Yeah. So we will do that. In the meantime, in the show notes, um, check 
for the charities and foundations and organisations that you can support to help women safely get abortions in the United States of America right now. Wemby, have you got anything else coming up that you'd like to tell us about? So we've got Loki coming out. I don't know when. Um, and Alice Darling, that should be coming out soon, I think. I never know. Alice Darling. Alice, yeah, that's another film. Yeah. Right. yeah. You are doing such phenomenal work at the moment and it's so impressive Thank to you. see you light up every screen that you're on. Um, it's 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 Thank always so a joy, especially as I remember you at RADA as a very young woman, uh, just starting out, <laughs> and just see to see you take off into the stratosphere the way that you are doing is is very very fulfilling and exciting for me. So I hope to see you on Thank many you. more of our screens. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk thank you and thank you for teaching me and you know i'm a product of all of you and so i'm grateful because i I, I needed those classes and oh i I, look you were just you were always such a a fizzing talent i had Gemma arterton on the podcast the other day and we were reminiscing about we suck and we love to fail which was the catchphrase I think it's a good one to live by, just to go it in is. joyfully and good-naturedly. It's 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 only art. You can always do another take. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I forgot about that. We suck and we love to fail. I'm going to use that today. Excellent. <laughs> look for, well, look forward to seeing you again, Wemi. Thank you so much for joining us on The Guilty Feminist today. Thank you. I'm joined now by Guilty Feminist regular host to the Best Pick podcast and award-winning actor, Jessica Regan. Hey, Deborah. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'm I'm thoughtful and mm. I'm somber after that film, but I'm also, I feel, I feel very activated and inspired, mm. you know, to keep fighting the good fight. Um, because if they could do it without internet, you know, mm. Wi-Fi, what are we doing? It knocked me a bit sideways. I have to say I was properly crying at the end of it just because of the poignancy of... The, t- the all, timing. Oh, all of this being overturned. And I'm sure, you know, you'd have covered this a lot with Wumi, but funny enough, I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking, oh, I mean, Scorny Weaver, Elizabeth Banks, sign mm. me up. Hang on, Wumi Masaku, Mia mm. Mucker, there she is. Brilliant. This is going to be fantastic. And I remember the joy with which I was anticipating this film. And in the interim, mm. <laughs> obviously Roe versus Wade has been overturned. But I think this film would have been a very important film to watch, but now even more so. And I, I was just thinking, the thing that struck me the most about it was this complete demystification of the process of abortion. Mm. How it just became such a procedure. They, I've never seen a film that kind of shows one after the other performed Mm. in a way that normalizes a procedure. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a a kind of a subtle achievement of the film. I also thought that was very fascinating. And I do want to say to the listeners, you won't be downcast. It's, it's entertaining. It's engaging. You know, you're, you're watching all these women, you know, get together and run this underground movement and help each other. So you'll, there's a lot to, enjoy and to be excited by but it's just that the end because of what's happening now is it's their happiness is our sadness I think that's what it is Mm. so don't it is also an adventurous uh exciting film it's a triumphant film and it's got rich period detail Mm. um it's extremely elegant spare performances uh there's so much to be enjoyed but hopefully you know it will light a fire under you rather than um, 
push you away from the subject matter. I think mm-hmm. it, it's a very inviting film. Mm-hmm. It's like, come and look at this in the face and let's let's look at it together. And, and the kind of the warmth, like sitting around a table eating spaghetti, talking about hormones, you know, mm-hmm. is something we could all relate to. I'm pretty sure I've done that in your house mm-hmm. on more than one occasion. <laughs> For sure. What do you think of the performances in it? Well, you, you've got a real... It's just class act. Like I said, I was so excited by the trailer. Wonderful to see Sigourney Weaver again, just being as powerful and as beautiful as as she always is. I think Elizabeth Banks does that very clever thing of making us fall in love with her very early on. Like I really loved that family, like her relationship with her daughter. And in the beginning as well, the husband, that you, you have this great marriage, like lovely situation and the way the husband kind of deferred to her intellect sometimes. Mm. I just loved that dynamic early on. And then of course, Wumi bringing just that power, that truth, as she always does in everything mm. she does. Um, and I loved it. Uh, <laughs> there was a very funny moment. And there is lots of levity in this film um, where she picks up a, a character in, in a rough neighbourhood and it's like, so have you got family here? Or, you yeah. know, and it's just really, really well-observed little moments. And I, I remember you campaigning uh, for Repeal the Eighth, you know, and the Guilty Feminist got involved in that campaign as well. It's not long since Ireland has had legal safe abortions and there are still issues mm-hmm. as that unfolds The rollout is slow. The rollout is slow. Uh, how do you feel about Roe versus Wade and how engaged have you been by the coverage of what's going on in America right now? Well, hugely, because I think abortion is an, a, a personal issue to every Irish woman in one way or another. Even I've not been touched by it personally, but of course I know people who have. And I remember just always being fervently pro-choice. It just, nothing else made sense to me. And I, I couldn't believe at times I was, I remember at times I would be, because I moved over here in 2004 and uh, I'd be telling an English person, you know, it's not legal. And they'd be like, no, no, it must be like, no, I think Mm. you'd have that right. Genuinely not believing me. And I'd be like, yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. And I remember almost feeling a responsibility of someone who lived in London that I could always provide haven Mm. and a safe place for anyone, a friend or a friend of a friend who might be in need of that procedure. So when obviously it was repealed, it was just this glorious day of good news and Ireland is, you know, become increasingly progressive. So it feels so upside down now that there are at least 12 states where abortion is banned in America, like fully banned. Then there's other states where kind of it's a soft ban and there's heavy restrictions. Um, And then there are some states where the ban is um, pending, but it keeps on getting blocked and then, of course, there are some states where absolutely you you can avail of abortion. They because obviously they removed federal protections, so it was a free for all. And there are these factions that worked so hard to have these incredibly strict laws, like ready to go, like hot off the press. When you're dealing with a country of legislating for 300 million people, it's also burying people in bureaucracy, burying people in paperwork. All the, that, that's why doctors are so confused. It was so confusing in Ireland for doctors to be like, but can I save this person's life if they're getting septic shock from a miscarriage? Then you go over to the States where there's all these workarounds and um, it's so it's so much more complex. So it's, it's mind boggling to me. It feels so surreal. 
But there are green shoots, you know, like in Georgia, they have managed to block these really strict laws. Mm. There's incredible groundswell of activism. We saw with the midterms, there was meant to be like a red wave that didn't happen. The blue wall held. Um, So I think there is, um, and obviously, you know, younger and younger generations are getting to vote. And I think that's where we'll see improvement. But it does need to be codified into law in every country because it's a medical procedure that's necessary. I remember when I was very young, I saw a documentary in school where it was extremely progressive considering, um, but a woman said a miscarriage is when the body can't support the fetus. Mm. And an abortion is where sometimes the the brain, the mind, the the life, whatever, can't support the pregnancy. And I, But I thought the way that this demystified it and showed how it's something that every woman needs to be able to avail of because otherwise you'll get unscrupulous people, dangerous people coming into the fray. There's also a really interesting thing. The premise on which Roe versus Wade has been overturned is is uh, the Supreme Court were saying like, oh, this isn't in the original constitution, much like many things aren't. Um, but actually, very early on, there was an attitude towards being pregnant in America, like more in the, in the kind of 1700s, where you weren't considered pregnant until the quickening. Mm. You weren't considered pregnant until you could feel that fetus move. And that was, and a lot of the very early anti-abortion laws were to protect women from unscrupulous poisoners. They were with the woman's health in mind. Mm. So actually when, to go away from that original point is against the American, like the, the nature of America, the American kind of constitutional identity back in the day. I know I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, as you can probably <laughs> tell. <laughs> but back to the film. I don't, you know, I know this is, you know, we're No, no, we're I'm interested in this. I'm in, very interested in this. And I think, and your your uh, your knowledge on this is impressive. Uh, but, uh, but yes, is there anything else that came up for you watching the film or that you wanted to talk about? I think it's, whatever, wherever you stand on this issue, it's a very good study in, in women supporting women and then women holding each other accountable as well. So obviously Wumi's character, and I know you, you know, chatted with Wumi about this, but it, I thought it was great that, that that we had that character and they they brought up this thing where abortion for all really has to be for all or available mm. for all. It can't be free to those who can afford it and very expensive to those who can't. You know, mm. it, 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 then that's just another trickle down elitism. The gatekeepers have to go and even with the best will in the world, we we can all be, we have to ask, am I being any in any way a gatekeeper? for things that I can access. I mean, that that actually is why we started Big Speeches in a way. And I'm not just like trying to crowbar in a plug for Big Speeches, but we were like, how can we democratize and make widely available something that's actually available to very few people who are already in really successful positions? Um, because the people who need it the most are often the ones who can't avail of it. And it's the same with abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, you could get taken care of if you had the money and the means you could go away to the country. Everything's always available to rich people, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. If you're wealthy enough, you'll always find a way. It's always available. You can always buy it, and you know, safely, even if it's underground. And increasingly, various states in America have been uh, effectively, before Roe versus Wade was overturned, taken away abortion through making it inaccessible, taking away the clinics, shutting it down. And if people can't afford to travel, it was the same with Ireland and Northern Ireland. Yes, if you mm-hmm. could afford to get yes, over to England. Yes. yes, if you could afford mm-hmm. it to stay somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. But if you couldn't, what could you do? And so I, I think that's a, that's a really excellent point. And that that was something that was that really came home 
during the film that at first, when it was very expensive, uh, they could only take care of women who could pay. And there became a tipping point with that where they said, well, this is just deeply unfair. And of course, the people least able to then take care of a child that is not wanted are those without the money to have an abortion. And often, you know, we can be really good people going about our lives in our little corners of the universe, much like Elizabeth Banks's character. She's got this really idyllic life and her, you know, she's such a winning actress. Like it's, mm. it's very hard to not be on side and take to Elizabeth Banks. That's one mm. of the reasons I really loved this casting. She's just, she's so winsome. She's so charming. And I think that, um, for then her to turn around and realise she's living in a bubble, mm. <laughs> that anything can be taken away from her. I think it was a very smart, it was an important lens to view that through. But then also we mustn't forget the other stories. Mm. And I would like to see, I think Call Jane's a really important story. And I hope that it, it encourages more tellings of stories like this because it's scratching the surface of, of this. But now I know what Call Jane means, you know, and that's that's really important. And it is like the underground railroad of reproductive rights. Mm. And that's, we're going back to that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I mean, even in comedy, you know, you've Amy Schumer's inside Amy Schumer being like, come to Col- Colorado. If you guys need to come to Colorado, you don't need a reason. Maybe you don't tell mm. everyone you're coming to Colorado, but come to Colorado, mm. you know? Mm. So I know it's shocking. You'd never thought we'd have been here in 2022, but here we are. Can I just say as well, I would love as many men as possible to watch this. There's mm-hmm. some really extraordinary male characters in this as well. And, you know, there was a study came out recently that most men, um, they think we we pee where babies come from. And there's all mm-hmm. these, you know, we familiarize yourself with with these issues because they're affecting someone you care about. And even if they aren't, be a curious person in the world. So I hope that couples watch this. I hope people sit down and watch this. Yes. And if you are a, uh, a cisgendered man who ha- hasn't had a lot of experience with this kind of thing, give it a watch. Make your uh, sons watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And women and other people of minority genders who can get pregnant, I think you will really feel a big simpatico with it. And so give it a watch. Tell your friends and family to watch it. Uh, have a watch party. You'll really enjoy it. It's on it makes spaghetti Amazon. and have a watch party. <laughs> yes, it's on Amazon Prime. God is good. God is great. May he bless. May he bless this house. Mom! Is the baby okay? Mrs. Griffin's pregnancy is without question the cause of the congestive heart failure. What's the treatment? To not be pregnant. That's the only option. I am comfortable with the percentage of patients resulting in the birth of a healthy child. No regard for her mother. No. I still have so much left to do. I don't know how to fix this. I do. Hello, this is Jane. How does it work? We help women. We don't ask questions. It's all there. Which one of you is Jane? We're all Jane. Ready? I'm scared. I'm very good at what I do. I got a girl waiting not far from you. One time deal, drop her off, never hear from us again. No, I... What do you mean? Arcas. The service is my daughter, and I don't trust her or just anyone. Are you a snitch? 
Hey, stranger. What's really going on with you? Nothing I can't handle. These women need our help just as much as the ones with money. Two for free every week. You got a knack for this. Could have been a nurse. Could have been a doctor. What are you doing? You want to end up in prison? I'm not scared of jail. I'm scared there won't be anyone left to answer the phone. It's an answering machine, so we don't miss a single message. Ah! Day trial today. Call Jane is now streaming on Prime Video. Start your free...